Welcome to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance with Jeffrey Panic from Balance Wealth Partners. In this space, we're keeping it real about money, unraveling the intricacies of spending and investing and making it all about you. Dive into the journey of striking the perfect balance between enjoying the now and preparing for what's next. Money talk might seem complex, but we're here to simplify it. Join us as we, along with experienced guests, are planning for more than retirement. We are planning for life. And welcome to the podcast Between Life and Money, Finding the Balance with Jeff Panic. Jeff, great to be with you. And I got to say, today's topic is something of a pet peeve of mine, financial literacy. It is a conversation long overdue, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we would say it's probably a lost art that everyone needs to probably uh, get more involved with. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people in our society feel that everything is just going to be taken care of for them. And then unfortunately, at some point, I think the bill comes for them, whether it's their student loans or credit cards, or just not simply understanding uh, how to open a bank account. They can all have ramifications. And I think by not having a more structured system in our educational system, as well as through families, it just makes it very difficult to learn as well as to be successful with. It's amazing to me. And uh, in my prior career, I, I had a, a lengthy career as a business and financial news journalist. And the simplest example that I can think of, I think, underscores what you're talking about. I used to talk with young writers, and they'd be writing stories, they'd be doing reports, and they'd be talking about debt and deficit. And I would be, I would go to them and say, I don't, I, I don't think you understand. There's a difference between debt and deficit. And they would look at me and go, No, there's not. And then we would have to have a conversation about the difference between the two. And it always used to astound me because, Jeff, these were college graduates, to your point about an education system. So, yeah, financial literacy maybe is a lost art or a lost language. I'm not, I'm not quite sure which it is. And I think you can kind of go to the way the pendulum swings either way in a lot of instances. In this case, there's more information than you could ever imagine out there. Uh, if you Google financial literacy, you come up with about 695 million hits. That's 695 million. And so the question really wow. becomes, where do you start? Where do you comb through the information? And how do you end up in a situation where you can actually utilize the information to allow for you to have a positive benefit from it? And that's, I think, the biggest challenge is piecing through the information and coming up with a strategy that specifically works for your circumstances. Yeah. So let's start this conversation and and go to your first point. What is What is point number one? Point number one is you have to first understand what your income and expenses are. The income portion is pretty easy to understand because you see it coming into your account every couple of weeks or every month. The other portion could be a lot more difficult, which are your expenses. But that is, I would say, the most essential thing that you have to tackle and comb through. Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, you would think it would be easier. In a lot of ways, it's become more difficult because you may have your bank pay some of your bills. You may have credit cards where they pay some of the uh, expenses. And then you may just have cash that you use. And it's really a matter of putting it all together. If you look at whether it's streaming subscriptions or even just going to a coffee shop, it starts to become a question of adding up the different pieces in a way that you can kind of understand and that's trackable. So you really can come up with a 
with with an understanding of where all the money is going. And I think by putting those pieces together, in, in a lot of instances, for a lot of individuals, you begin to realize how much money is wasted, especially if you're younger and you could potentially redirect some of that money towards savings. I mean, it seems in this day and age, there ought to be an app or probably a half dozen apps or more that help people track expenses. I mean, is there is there a way, because you're right, the expenses are scattered. Is there a way that you can kind of collect your expenses and, and realize I'm bringing in $10 and my expenses are $12 or $8 or? Yeah, and so that's that's a good question. And the answer is, just like I mentioned with Google, the 695 million hits, there, there are numerous ways to do budgeting. And it can be just using a simple spreadsheet. It can, and there's various other strategies that are around that. There's also banking apps. You, you, if you bank at a large institution, they will typically have budgeting apps built into the banking software. It's really a matter of what I suggest for people are to try two or three different strategies to keep track of your expenses and then, and then come up with the one that you feel most comfortable with. And just like technology and a lot of things in life, they're constantly changing. So it's really a matter of reviewing at least every six to 12 months the the system that you're using and go out and see if there's anything that fits a little bit better. And at the same time, really get comfortable with what you're trying to do to make to get the most out of it. Because the last thing and what happens in a lot of cases, someone will start budgeting and start using a specific strategy and they just become overwhelmed with it and they shut down. The reality, the hardest part of it is, is to really get an idea of where everything is going to understand where everything is coming into, into function or place, especially on the expense side, especially if you're merging families, you have two, a couple getting married. There is a lot of savings, but in order to understand where the savings is, you first have to understand what your expenses are. Yeah, that's true. So income versus expenses is point number one. Point number two. Point number two is take financial inventory. So in, in order to understand your big picture, you have to understand what your assets look like and liabilities. Meaning, you know, do you have credit card debt? Do you have an outstanding mortgage? Do you have savings accounts? You have to really look around and say, where are all my assets and put together a sheet or there's different, as you mentioned, applications that you can use where you can kind of put all the pieces together. But I often say a lot of people that I meet and work with initially, it, I say it in a lot of cases, as people travel through time, they can they collect assets, whether it's almost like I would say like antiques or coins. Mm. It's not for hobby purposes. It's just you may have an old 401k from an old employer, old stock plan. You may inherit stock from someone. And this is an ongoing basis over the years. And some of these things just don't keep up with you, whether you change address or whether the company that is managing it doesn't keep up with it. Uh, it's a matter of really sitting down and understanding where all of your pieces are, because you have to do that in order to know where to take the money that you have, hopefully a surplus every month, and dedicate it to. Uh, and and again, it's really a matter of understanding you know, wh what type of credit cards, if any, that you have in debt, what type of mortgage do you have, you know, what are you looking to try to do in the big picture. But in order to first understand, you have to understand where your assets are as well as your liabilities. Yeah, and those assets, they can include a lot of different things, right? They can, they can, they can include your 401ks, they can include any stock 
stock accounts you might have, the estimated value of your home, is that fair to include? Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely fair. And I, I think, again, it's really a matter of understanding the value as comparison to what the mortgage and the liability is on it. And then really what looking at it coming forward, understanding what the other debt that you have is so that you can make sure that you're managing it from the standpoint of paying the interest, minimizing what you're paying to the institution and trying to keep as much as you can in your in your own pocketbook. We've looked at income and expenses. We've taken financial inventory. Where do we go next? So the next step would be to set goals. And, and one of the reasons why we would look at what your surplus or deficit, meaning if you don't have enough coming in, you have more expenses than income, as well as if you look at from the standpoint of your inventory, you have to understand what you have before you can set any goals. And the next step would be to set goals. And, and really, I look to say, well, there's really three types of goals. There's short, there's intermediate, and there's long-term. It, it really differs based upon the individual, whether they have typically multiple goals, short, intermediate, long. Sometimes individuals will just pick one or two different tiers. We'll say whether paying off their student loans or whether it's retirement, or it's whether something as simple as a short-term goal of looking to go to Europe. You know, that, that would be something that you could categorize and understand what the expense is and then work through it based upon the income and the surplus that you have. Okay. So how do I set goals? I, I you know, I hate to sound stupid, but like, how do I, uh, what, what's involved with just setting a goal? I don't understand how to do that. Well, really, I think it really is a matter of taking a step back from everything because, I mean, I, I can use the example of, of clients and, and even in some cases myself, you may try to do two or three or four things at one time. You may be on your phone looking at a text message. You may be looking at an email on your computer, and then you may be watching TV or something at the same time. So really- I'm laughing, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and really what ends up happening is you become distracted. And, and that, that uh, you know, with the way life is all integrated with technology layer upon layer, you sometimes forget to maybe take a step back and communicate. And you know, whether it's, with a, a spouse, you know, which is extremely important and, and the stress that comes around money, especially with merging, merging families or just in a relationship, it is central to talk about goals and where you're looking to go in life, even from the state. And again, the important thing with goals are to kind of work through them to try to understand what, where you need to get to the finish line with each one. And, and it, you want to make sure they're achievable and realistic as well, because you could have, you know, I use the example of running a marathon as an example. Yeah. You could say, I'm going to run a marathon. You sign up for it, but you don't run the next week. You know, you train and you, and you train more. You have a mentor, coach, someone to help you work through to get to the point where you can run the miles. It just doesn't happen overnight. And it's a trial, it's trial and error in a lot of cases. And, and the goal goals are the same way. It's a matter of adjusting the goals over time and as your life changes, as well as circumstances. Uh, and that I think is the hardest thing is to stay after it and, and, and look at it on an ongoing basis. And I think it's easy to come up with a plan and say, this is what we're going to do. You have to be in order to achieve that goal, you have to work through it over time. Okay, great. So we're through three of the points. This fourth point feels like it's kind of related to point number three in a lot of ways. 
It is. I mean, it's really about managing debt. And and it really, and you hear the stories over, over and over again. It's, and I can use even the lottery winners that win, you know, millions of dollars, but yet somehow managed to be far worse off than when they started with debt. And, and really, it, debt has to be managed prudently. And, and that's often easier said than done. And what I see a lot of times happen a lot of individuals and families, they get excited. They pay down their debt a lot of times, or they're reaching a certain goal of paying down debt. And then they just get back to where they were before. It's it's almost like we would say a trend, a treadmill where you're just always on it like a hamster and you just can't get off. And with the high interest payments, especially as interest rates have moved up, it becomes more and more difficult to get off the treadmill. And so before you really can utilize and reach goals of saving for retirement and doing certain things, you really have to be realistic about your debt and try to work through that as a big component of a plan. Thanks so much for listening to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.balancewealthpartners.com and through all our social media platforms that are listed in the show notes. You know, I like the way you put that, you frame this conversation. It's not that you don't have debt, because I think realistically, most of us have debt. Is that you need to manage it. Yes. And I think that that even gets back to the student loan debt, understanding and the lack of understanding, really looking at student loan debt from the consideration of what effect will that have on me in, in 5, 10, 15, 20 years if I'm not able to pay it down and work through it. Uh, most 18-year-olds are signing paperwork that really, really don't understand. Uh, and it gets back to the issue of then on top of it, when they get to college, they're getting all kinds of credit card offers to layer more debt on top. So when they graduate, it, they're, they're getting a diploma, but they're getting all these different letters from all the companies that they owe. And that's a very hard place to start, start life. It is. And I like your final point, and I've got a lot of questions about that. So <laughs> let's go to point number five, saving for a rainy day and beyond. Saving for a rainy day and, and beyond. And, and that gets back into goal and planning. It just doesn't happen overnight that you have money set aside for expenses three to six months out, as well as just saving for whether it's paying for college. You want your children to go to college debt-free or whether it's to have the type of retirement you want on your terms. It all yeah. starts with coming up with the goals as well as managing debt and managing your circumstances. And, and I use the example of the rainy day emergency fund. It's having the money available when you need it in an emergency so you don't have to take out debt because invariably that's what, what happens. And that comes up with an inter, that's integrating a plan where you take into account whether it's medical, your debt expenses from student loans, and putting all the different pieces together and, and looking and say, how many times a week do I go to a coffee shop? Or how many times a week you know, am I really using this subscription to this streaming service that has doubled, tripled since I've had it? And where might that be able to be better utilized? 
And, you know, different people have different theories about, you know, three months, six months, how long should I have the money or how much should I have set aside? You and, just read my mind. <laughs> you just and, read and my mind. And, and that really comes down to something that is it really can be in, individualized to the family because everyone is a little bit different with their circumstances. I mean, if you have two, uh, you have a couple who are both working, if one is laid off and they have to start drawing into it a little bit, that's not as much of an issue. If you only have just one person working, if they're laid off, you have a real problem. And that really gets into different people should have different amounts set aside. You know, there's not a set number that works for everyone, just like retirement and a lot of these other pieces. It may, you know, sometimes people say, well, what's my number? How much do I need to have at retirement? Well, it depends. You know, do you have what's your situation with current debt? What's your situation with family members? You know, are you did you have children later in life and you're going to have to pay for their college while you're, you know, you're you're thinking about retiring or retired? It, it varies by individual. But what you really should do is really take a look, getting back to the income and expenses and understanding really what the expenses are. And at the same time, really being prepared for an expense that you don't see. And that's part of having a rainy day or emergency fund, because whether it's, you know, having ha blowing a tire where you have to get your tire replaced or it's having an accident and you have to go to the emergency room, you know, the deductibles and payments are there and you have to come up with the money from somewhere. And if you don't have it, you have to take out more debt and it just becomes a more, you know, it's a vicious cycle and a spiral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I always, you know, the typical saw is always you have three months of mortgage or, or or rent put away or what have you, so that you know, ideally, that's enough money that creates a cushion for you. But I like the way you point out; it really varies from individual to individual and couple to couple. It does, and the the biggest thing you know is to start, and it may it may change. I mean, it based upon your life circumstances. I mean, if you're starting out, it's just you. You're pretty simple. You don't have to have maybe as much in it set aside as if you have a you know, if you have a family with two or three children. You mm -hmm. know, because then you have to rely and understand that say you know if something happens to one of them, you, you have to understand that you have to have the money set aside for them as well. Uh, and, and some of it comes back to the, you know, rainy day emergency fund of making sure, you know, you have the proper medical insurance, making sure you have the proper liability coverage as it relates to your car, auto, mm -hmm. home, all of those things. Because a lot of times, if you don't have the proper policy in place, it can create a situation where you have to come out with a, a lot of out of pocket where otherwise you may not have. We've got five pretty simple points here, you know, in terms of going over. You got, you got income and expenses. You got managing debt. You've got setting goals. You've got saving for a rainy day fund and, you know, taking financial inventory. All would sound really good, Jeff. But as we put it out at the top of this podcast, a lot of people are not financially literate. And while these are great points, how do how does someone use these five points as as a way to sort of set themselves up for practicing learning and practicing financial literacy. And, and I think this is where it goes really back to the marathon analogy or any other type of training, whether you're training to play a musical instrument or you're training for the marathon, whatever you're training for, you just don't do it all at one time in one bunch. You know, so don't sit there for a, you know, a day and try to run as far as you can. You, you do it over time. And that's really the conversation that I typically will have with clients is really that, if you try to do this all at one time, all these different pieces, and you try to put them all together within, say, a, a month, 
you're going to have some problems. It's really a matter of taking six to 12 months and working through all these pieces. It's also important if you work with a professional, someone that can kind of guide you, because again, there's a lot of information out there more so than there has ever been, but it gets very confusing and it's not specific to you, your specific circumstances. And I think that's the biggest thing that I see, whether it's a three to six months of expenses or the number for retirement or how much do I need, what's the number for college? There's all these numbers and it's easy to generalize, but it has nothing to do with your specific individual circumstances. So the important thing here is just getting started. To get started and then have a plan to work through the starting process, again, whether it's a plan to get a plan, really. And it's really the biggest thing is, and I can put this in in, in uppercase letters, is habit. You know, the biggest Mm -hmm. thing, like anything, is to develop habits. And they have to be, I would say, achievable and realistic. Because if if neither is the case, you're just going to stop before you probably even really get started. And so you want to have a plan to work through all these different pieces and you want to have it all work for you. And then at the same time, I think the biggest piece that we really just briefly touched on was you want to look at it on an ongoing basis to make sure it's still working for you, uh, whether you can reallocate some of the money you were putting towards debt that you're, you don't have debt anymore. Where does that go? Or, you know, you just had a child. Do you need to get more life insurance or, you know, you just changed jobs or you just got married? You know, how do we coordinate our health benefits? Because that's the other area I see a lot of times a couple gets married they both have benefits. They both work. Well, how do you put those two together? Because there's probably a lot of uh, money that's being left that could go towards savings where they're not utilizing each other's. I'm going to add another point, not only habit, but I think, you know, you mentioned this in training for a marathon. You need a coach. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and, and it may not be, you know, it's not someone that's going to browbeat you or it's not someone, it's, it's really someone to help provide guidance. And it could be a mentor, someone that can help you along in the process. And it's, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I have family for that. Well, you know, especially as it relates to money, it can often be difficult to talk to family members about money. That might be the understatement of the century. Wow, that was easily said, Jeff. We would say that's probably the Pandora's (laughs) box that you open and your head explodes. But, uh, you know, really, it's good to have a third party that has your best interest in mind that can help work you work with you to get through the process. Is, and then, uh, is a financial advisor a good person to turn to? Typically, you would hope so if you find the right person. Right. That is really, I think, a key, we would say, quarterback or person to work with. And it's really, I would say, I go back, what I've mentioned, I think, before is like the chemistry test. You want someone that you feel comfortable with that you feel that will have your interest in mind, that if you call or send an email that will get back to you and that understands your circumstances and, and that will work with you on an ongoing basis. So it's just not a, a you know a one and done type of situation where they do yep. a plan for you or they try to help you and then they just drop off. I mean, it's really like anything in life, it comes down, as I mentioned, to habit and it has to be repeatable and it has to be something that you can work with someone where they can help you achieve the results that you're looking for. Because otherwise, all of the time and money that you spend to try to do something is really just wasted in the end. To that point, for those listeners who are listening that want to reach out to you to have this conversation, I realize you've got a lot of clients who listen to this podcast, but there are people who are listening right now who are not clients and maybe are looking for a financial advisor. How do they get a hold of you? 
they can easily email or call and I will respond. And at least what I typically will do is set up with set up, set up a time with them uh, just to get it. We call it initial. It's like having a cu- cup of coffee where you get an initial conversation to see, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it may not be that I can even help them, but I can at least try to point them in the right direction. And I right. think sometimes you get so lost with all the things that it's hard to figure out what you even need. And I think that's where I can add value just by being objective and kind of trying to point the person in the right direction. You can also go to my website. I have a list of numerous calculators on there that can help if you just you know say, well, I'm thinking about saving an extra $100, $200 a month. What may that mean down the road? Or, you know, I, I have my expenses here and I want to put the, a budget together. Well, you know, I have a calculator for that as well. Excellent. So there are resources available to them right there. And what, what's the website or is it in the show notes so that people can? It, it, it is. It's balancewealthpartners.com. Okay. And there's a there's a tab at the top right that is for financial calculators, which I, I think several of them are, could be very helpful it's really a matter of just initially having a conversation with me or someone like me to try to help get pointed in the right direction uh, so that you're just not that hamster on the treadmill of life. Very good. Thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. No, no. No, listen. I, no, no. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I stepped all over you there, man. No, no, no. I mean, I again, I mean, I, I know it, it can be the, the hardest step like anything is the first step in the door and just the first conversation. And then trying to work through pieces and not trying to do everything all at one time, because it's easy with all life's intricacies, whether you're just on your own or whether you have a family with two or three children, everything, you know, we would say as much as technology has made everything easier, everything has become far more complicated. And it's a matter of really in the end of having someone that will be your I would say cheerleader, a quarterback, someone that's in your corner that will help help you throughout life. You know, if you get a letter you don't understand, or if you 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 know to try to help at least make you an make an informed decision about various financial life decisions. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because technology has made things easier, but it's also made us feel less connected mm-hmm. with people. And so I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Remember, you do not have to go at this alone. <laughs> there, there's help out there, and there are folks that are, that are available to help. Yes. Great. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate it. The conversation is always very useful. For those of you who are not already subscribers, this is really easy. There's a subscribe button right there. Hit subscribe. Follow Jeff. That way you won't ever miss another one of these podcasts or another one of these conversations. On behalf of Jeff and everybody at Balance of Wealth Partners, I'm Bill Tucker reminding you to live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance. Visit our website at balancewealthpartners.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrated purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Jeffrey Panic. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG, 
technology advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Balance Wealth Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.